The new trend in craft beer? Buying your brewery back. The Brewers Association's trying to make life harder in the grocery business. Monks are suing over the illegal resale. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer. Basically what would happen if you fed a week's worth of beer news into an AI chat box that could only express itself like a 19th century sailor that suddenly discovered the entirety of internet pornography. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. How you doing? Oh, pretty good. You brought us beer. I, we, we both, both brought, brought beer. Well, you had originally planned to bring uh, 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 bring beer, except for uh, we got something special Stay. in, but uh, what did you get? Uh, so, because I was up in Montana last week for work. Uh, stopped by Warden's Market in downtown Missoula, and then ended up going to Imagination because I forgot they were based out of Missoula. Uh, their Sierra Brazilian Lager, 7.9%. Jesus. Also, the fuck qualifies as a... Oh, wait, no. I think it's lower ABV this year. I think the sticker peeled off. I think it's only 5%. Yeah, it does say... They have like a weird like... Oh, the, there is a sticker that peels off. Yeah, they just put like they they just stick a five on top of the seven point nine percent. Yeah, that's a creative labeling, I suppose. <laughs> uh, also, what the fuck classifies as a Brazilian lager? I have a little soapbox I want to stand on did for you, a second. Did you bring a beer onto the podcast and like to yell about it? To, yes. To, and first, of all, I'm, I just want to make make just get something clear. Um, we, we've been doing this sort of remote a lot because it's tough for, especially you. Crotch be, goblins. Yeah. Cause crotch, go- I mean, I, I, I do it at home regardless. You, uh, have a larger commute. So am I to understand that you actually made time out of your day to actually come here so we could enjoy this beer together so you could p- piss and moan about it? Yes. The floor is yours. Uh, <laughs> I, the fuck is a Brazilian lager? There's no style that is a Brazilian lager. Also, I'm getting fed the fuck up with people just, like, being like, you know, we're going to make a real light body lager and call it a Cuban lager. Or this. At GABF, I had a fucking Cuban lager. And I asked the brewery people, I was like, what the fuck makes it a Cuban lager? And they went, I don't know. I was like, why the fuck are you calling shit just said country and lager now? Like, if there is some specific way they do that style... In said country, I'm all for it. Everything I could look up on this, it just... There's nothing about it. There's no reason that makes it Brazilian. I mean, I feel like... I've I've taken two drinks already, and I I kind of feel like wearing a Speedo. Does that count? I just want to knock this beer over on you right now. (laughs) <laughs> Was that the entire rant? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's a nice I, one. I, I'm just over the trend of everyone being like... Midwest, IP, Midwest IPA. Or just throwing like a geographical description before said beer style and being like, we came up with a new beer style. Here's our new release. No, it's probably the same fucking lager you do just for a I mean, different fucking beer. Clearly, the the at this point in time, I mean, we're almost there anyway. That at this point in time, you just grab a, a gigantic map of the world, you blindfold Jughead, have him throw a dart, and you go, "This is a Algerian pale ale." What the fuck makes it Algerian? I don't know. That's where the dart landed. <laughs> a, mo- 
A Mongolian porter. It's when people go, this is our English brown ale. And you're like, oh, so did you use Maris Otter? No. Did you use an English ale yeast? No. Did you use English hops? No. But what the fuck makes it English? Well, it's not as hoppy as an American brown ale. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm trying to... T- Trying to see if they're uh, uh, to celebrate the solstice today. Uh, we launch a, the the beer of the summer, uh, Ciadria. I think is how you pronounce that. Uh, light beer has a has Ginga Brazilian quote Brazilian soul, and it's brewed with only the highest quality quality German malt, touched off with lemon citrusy New Zealand Moteca hops, fermented with wonderful German lager yeast from our friends at Mountains Walking Brewery, and a cold condition for a pro, in cold condition for a prong, prolonged. Uh, period of time for a crisp, crisp, clean finish. Look for no further for your river. There is for... nothing Brazilian about this beer. I mean, you're 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 not wrong, except for they used a, I think a Portuguese Portuguese word, ciadria. Yeah. Um. Uh. A ciadria is the last. A ciadria is the last drink of the night. The Brazilians order to prolong the evening and time together. May this beer enhance your own stays with friends and family. For you, Fernanda, the production team loves you. So, Fernanda was involved. Are you are you are you going to disparage the honor and the integrity of Fernanda? On Did this? she brew this? I have no idea. It just says it, yes. Let's just let's just say for no. The, she didn't. <laughs> I can fucking guarantee. <laughs> let's just say for the let's just say that uh, uh, that for the sake of argument, yes, she did. It's a Brazilian lager by by virtue of the fact that Brazilians had their hands in it. Okay. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no, it's an American <laughs> lager brewed by a Brazilian brewer. Uh, I, it's it's a it's a very nice lager. I got to no, give it that. It's it is a, a very solid nice, lager. Nice crisp, crisp, clean with a, just a touch of like tropical fruit, citrus, uh, hops. But I mean, it's just like if they called this premium lager, I'd be like, fuck yeah, this was a great buy. Well, I mean, if you're going to, I mean, in the uh, if you're going to be pedantic about it, and why not? I, you know, this would be a. This is the fucking podcast to be pedantic. Uh, it would be a. I think the category is called New Zealand Lager. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Even if they would call that a New Zealand Lager, because it used New Zealand hops, I'm in. International export lager, because it's <laughs> German malt, German yeast, and New Zealand hops. I could get behind it. I'm. I am a little bit disappointed. It isn't uh, like 8%. the fucking only fucking thing. I'm like, okay, it's German. This German. That. Are you calling it a Brazilian lager? Because that's where all the Germans fled after World War Two. Like, what are we doing here? There's probably there is something to that. Which, but then of course you, the, Nazis, our, and our, then they get our, our, and and in rural Mar- Montana it gets a little dicey. Um, well, I mean, I guess I guess the 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 question then is: Are all German lagers, um, or are all Brazilian lagers just German lagers that did something really bad like forty to fifty years ago? Or Mexican lagers. <laughs> you don't know what this beer has done, Tyler. You don't know. <laughs> and they won't admit it. Uh, even when the whole world it's, knows what it's, it's done. It's important to start your podcast with a, with, with a Nazi reference. <laughs> Fuck, was this beer in Starship Troopers? 
I, was it in Starship Troopers? I don't think it was in Starship Troopers. Why do you ask if it was in Starship Troopers? Well, they're all blonde hair, blue eyes men in South America. Like, it makes all, like, the Ger- German Nazi, like, poke fun reference at, like, Nazi Germany. Talk about the movie? Yeah. I guess I didn't pick up that. I, yeah. Because I... uh, it's... Oh, fuck. What country are, like, all the... Rio de Janeiro. Or they're from... Uh, well, they're the, uh, the main character's from Rio. I remember that. Yeah. Which is Argentina. Yeah. And he's blonde hair, blue eyes. Yeah. With the German name. Yeah. So it's making fun of all the Nazis who... Johnny Rico's not a German name. No, they're... Like, hold on. I gotta fucking find this now. This has been... It's all Starship Troopers. (laughs) Before we get... How about before you we get uh, uh, we get completely off the rails, or as Tyler gets completely off the rails, uh, uh, we we get into some beer news, uh, deacquisition news now. Um, <clears throat> we are uh, past the era of the biggest breweries stocking up on craft breweries. We are deep in the age of conglo- uh, conglomerations of bigger craft breweries, and now we enter the next phase. Where everyone splits back up into smaller and smaller entities until they disappear into five, ten, or five or ten barrel systems, uh, they they kind of started with like the Big Bang, uh, except for the big collapse uh, uh, version of, uh, of of craft beer. Basically, it's a cosmology joke. Yes, Tyler. So, oh God, the film utilized fascist imagery throughout, including portraying the Terrain Federation's personal wearing uniforms, strongly reminiscent of those worn by the SS and Nazi paramilitary. That, that much I knew, yeah. Um, then uh, they also basically adapted a scene from The Triumph of Will um, to play into that, which was a Nazi propaganda. Yeah. Uh, and... The filmmaker basically reflected on his own experience in Nazi-occupied Netherlands during World War II when the, creating this. I didn't know the film was that. I mean, I know the book was like what had a lot of like fascist references in it. Mm-hmm. I've never, I've not read the book. It's kind of been, it's kind of been perpetually on my to-read list actually because I understand the book is. The book is like uh, is 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 really intense, like with a lot of like yeah, uh, with a lot of. Themes about the dangers of fascism and totalitarianism, and then the movie was basically and propaganda. And yeah, and the movie was basically a, a monster movie, but apparently with some fascist undertones. So yeah, uh, and there was I'm trying to find where it was. Uh, it's a message against right wing militarism and fascism, um, but there's something with like a lot of the names of the soldiers and them being from basically South America. It was basically like trying to hint like all the Nazis left moved the like conspiracy theory that Hitler never died. He just moved to South America. Like really played in on that. But so back to where we were. (laughs) (laughs) You got that off. You got that off your chest. Why do we, where do we get off on the starship troopers? Because we're drinking a Brazilian lager. Because it was all German ingredients, look, basically. Look, this is the reason. Do you see any hair on this can? Nope, that's a full Brazilian right there. <laughs> uh, but it's yellow and blue. Blonde hair, blue eyes. Anyway. Wow. In the weeds. 
This story comes from Vine Pear by Nicolette Baker. Uh, the thing was, Appalachian Mountain Brewing never really intended to be hoovered up by AB InBev. Uh, rather, they partnered with the Craft Beer Alliance back in 2014 as a way, according to them... Which... How AB played acquiring We're, all of the Craft Beer was gonna, Alliance was probably, like, that made me respect AB InBev the most. Well, let's face it. It was the last competent thing they did, I think. What was the last, what was the last like, truly, like, I mean, almost, like, slow clap moment for, you know, like, evil, right. like evil corporation, like, I gotta hand it to you. Well, well done. Like, that gave capitalism a boner. <laughs> uh, like the Monopoly man just popped off his monocle with his boner. Uh, yeah, I think that was probably it. Um, but they uh, they partnered with the Craft Beer Alliance back in 2014 as a way to uh, increase their production uh, and expand their uh, uh, produ- uh, their distribution footprint across the Carolinas. Basically, a little more capital, expand their operation, what have you. Uh, 2018, the Craft Beer Alliance bought. Uh, the brewery outright, which then, as we as we as a couple of years after that, I think it was twenty nineteen. Actually, I think it was the next year. Yes, twenty nineteen um, or twenty twenty. I can't remember if we were in the pandemic. Um, I think we. I think it was twenty nineteen. I think it was just I, I uh, just uh, just before that, or it was early early twenty twenty. Um, it was. I think we did. The, I think we talked about it coming out of the summer. So I want to say it was twenty nineteen. But yeah. Um. But any, anyway, um, in a well, you, you, you seem to remember it well. Would you like to describe exactly what AB managed to do? So AB was ordered by a judge. They would have to either buy the rest of the Craft Brewers Alliance because they were under well, they were basically under an agreement mm-hmm. that that after a certain point, after a certain amount of years, they had to buy them at X price per share or pay a fine. And the judge upheld that. AB paid the fine. And when they did that, the share price of the Craft Brewers Alliance fucking tanked. Like, every short seller's dream would be to tank a stock like this. (laughs) Uh, Bill Ackerman, I'm pretty sure, was jerking off to this stock fucking tanking. And is 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 economics just a bunch of, of uh, just a bunch of masturbation? In, in and your... it's a bunch of nerds <laughs> masturbating in nice suits with a lot of money who sleep with women. So it's like almost Dungeons and Dragons, but they get laid. Uh, but there's so much masturbation. They, it's 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 amazing they have the stamina. Right, you got to get the stamina. Uh, <laughs> but. So they tank the stock price, and then like would, a week or two later, come back in and buy them up at the current share price. And we did the math on one of the podcast episodes, and the amount they saved themselves, even including paying the fine, was massive. It was it was, it was tens of millions of dollars. I remember yeah. that. I want for some reason, and uh, it was between ten and a hundred million. It was. For some reason, the thirty million seems to seems to seems to come to mind. I have no idea why that is. Again, we did a whole episode about it, uh, uh, and if I was, we've uh, drank a lot since then. Oh. It really, we really have. Uh, but the point is, uh, I think I think we can all agree that what we need to do is uh, convince wherever that uh, uh, idiot Kramer is uh, still like 
banging away at his little machine. Oh, and, that Dillhold McFuxton? Yeah, we need to we need to have him out. You need to be on his show. Just be just telling us <laughs> this person is jerking off furiously at this stock price. <laughs> I would probably you throw me on. What's the extreme far right like news station like Newsmax or yeah? Oh, you throw me on that and I just go. That person is jerking off furiously. Uh, and they're going to go home, fuck their wife, and then hit her. I am going to be the best-selling anchor on that news station. <laughs> Too soon? Oh. Oh, you're a bad person. <laughs> I'm the, the point, bad person? The, the point was, um, the, the where I was going with this was that for this brewery, being part of AB InBev was never part of the plan. Uh... It was never something they... Okay, you may say it's never been part of the plan, uh, but if you sold to CBA, who was at that time owned a third by AB InBev, you knew it was potentially part of the plan. But I don't... I mean, I was kind of looking into, because the the Vine Pair article and a couple of the other articles I found on this, they all just say the brewery was acquired. They don't. They never really mention whether or not th- that uh, whether or not the uh, the owners sold it as much as it was acquired. And it, and you know enough about business to know acquiring can take many many forms. But at that small of a scale, it's not like there's a ton of shareholders. Uh, I mean, the so it, the ho- option for a hostile takeovers, unless they had one huge investor that owned majority share. Which at that point that is the owner, right? Uh, you're the owner is selling it at that point, so you're not getting hostily acquired. Now they may have not expected to be AB ho- to own them outright, but also I don't think AB ever wanted to own them. They were just a. They were a freebie thrown in the trade box with with Kona with fucking Kona. That's, yeah, that's... they wanted Kona, and the rest of the shit they got, they were like, "Oh, we just want this." <laughs> it's like when you get a Christmas present as a kid, and then your stockings full of like socks and underwear, and you're like, "Uh, yeah." <laughs> Was that you looking at the socks and underwear? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. The two found uh, 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 the two founders, however, uh, Nathan uh, Kellyshick and uh, Chris Zieber, uh, uh, it, it, they are out. Uh, the exact details have not been released, but in a statement, the co-founders said, "quote We were grateful to have spent the last two years as active as active founders within the AB's craft portfolio. We want to thank the people at AB, including our fellow craft brewery founders, for the support, collaboration, friendship that we've enjoyed during our time together. So what happens from here?" Well, it seems like it's time to rebuild. Uh, they're focusing on their new tap room and building uh, building up their brewery staff. Uh, one thing I imagine hits hard, uh, although the this article doesn't mention it uh, one way or the other, um, as part of AB, they brewed, brewed the Bojangles Hard Iced Tea uh, from the Bojangles Fast Food brand. Wait, so Appalachia did? Yeah, it was being brewed at that brewery. So do they still have the contract? They do not actually. Oh. Um, that was uh, now whether it was. Okay, if I was the owner of that, I'd be going. I'd be calling Bojangles headquarters and be like, "Hey, so we just left AB. 
We were brewing this for you. What do you say you just bring that contract over to us? I, I mean, at this point in time, it sounds like uh, um, that it that that's just not part of the deal uh, at at all in any way. It's shape, not or part of the deal till you make a part of the deal. Make a part of the deal, guys. <laughs> but I'll make the call for you. I just want a three percent finder's fee. I don't know. Is it, what's what's the relative uh, 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 to of uh, anybody at Bojangles? By your estimation, if the economy is based all all on the size of boners and whether or not people are actively ejaculating, where do you where where? Uh, so the economy, <laughs> the better the economy, the bigger the boner. But since Bojangles is inversely related to the economy, the smaller limp dick, the better Bojangles has a boner. So Bojangles is going to top the economy. So you need to try to hop on the Bojangles pegging the economy and let's fucking do this right now promise me you'll write an economics textbook someday <laughs> you pay for my masters and i'm in do you, why do you need a masters you're already just <laughs> because if you write a book and you don't even have a masters everyone's gonna be like this guy's just fucking psycho it's like the loony ben fucking you... fake college up in moscow and i'm not talking about the u of i have you seen what's out there what you've you seen what's happening right now <laughs> make one up tyler what is the matter with you cash in on the pro post-truth economy <laughs> all you gotta do is get fox news either, to pick up either, my book and it's gone either you if you don't then i'm going to <laughs> let's co-write it and we can fund this podcast the point is it's a bold move um it's the opposite of where everybody else is going but maybe not because uh, uh i i heard about this brewery buying themselves back but apparently it's a trend it is a trend so uh funky buddha which we had talked about uh, was owned by Constellation Brands. They were bought up after Constellation bought Ballast Point. Has been reacquired by their founders. So, as far as I know, unless there's a brewery that I'm missing, Constellation is out of the craft beer game. I mean, uh, it, unless you want to, unless you want to consider Modelo and Corona and Victoria. Those are imports. Yeah. But yeah, I believe they are out of the. Imp- I believe they are out of craft beer now. So they have repurchased their brewery, um, which the fact. So May eighteenth, AB sold Appalachian Mountain Brewing and Cidery back to the original founders, and May twenty sixth, eight days later, Constellation Brands uh, sold Funky. Buddha Brewing back to its original owners for an undisclosed sum, which I'm like, after seeing the loss they took on fucking Ballast Point, you better have gotten a fucking smoking deal. Like, you better paid pennies on the fucking dollars. Because we even talked about this during the Ballast Point sale. That Funky Buddha was kind of sitting there going, what are you guys going to do with us? Like, you promised us all these good things when you bought us and you haven't done anything. Deadly North Deadly North Squad, yeah. You really didn't expand distribution at all. It was like sad to say it was a bigger botch job than Ballast Point. Ooh. But Ballast Point was more nationally recognized, so it 
was a bigger media thing. I don't know. I mean, how I I would almost say that Ballast Point was a bigger botch job because I don't think Funky Buddha lost as much as Ballast Point. True. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, Funky Buddha was just kind of. I mean, they were owned by Constellation, but they were kind of the redheaded stepchild. Meanwhile, they they paraded Ballast Point out and absolutely killed that brand. So fair enough. Uh, but um. The Funky Buddha crew, according to the AmericanCraftBeer.com article I saw. Don't know how reliable a source that was, but this is the best one I could find on it. <laughs> without paying to get through a paywall. So, you get what you pay for, guys. Uh, they couldn't be happier about their independent future and expect their f- fans will re-embrace them as well. Uh... They, in a direct quote, said, Beverage innovation has always been our biggest strength. Ryan and his team have had some incredible ideas in the pipeline, uh, said the owner and co-founder of Funky Buddha. Uh, As we approach our 10th anniversary, it seems like the perfect time for our business to evolve and reignite the community's passion for craft beverages. We enjoyed working with Constellation, and we learned a lot from them. As we embark on the next chapter, we plan to push through boundaries and create entirely new drinking experiences and beer and beyond. Uh, we'll be serving good vibes on tap for many years to come. Um, and the reacquisition will take place sometime this month, uh, June 2023. Now, if a we were discuss- we were th- as we were sitting down for this podcast we were we were discussing whether or not this is a trend two is a coincidence third would be a trend no i one's one's interesting two's a trend two within a week two is a coincidence no two's a trend of big beer getting rid of craft brands i mean well i i, I I think the I think that trend, the idea that that well that uh, the the big beer companies are retreating out of craft, that is well in progress as we've seen uh, via AB InBev and and to a lesser extent um, uh, Constellation, you know, with the with the uh, disposal of uh, Ballast Point, um, but. But I think Molson Coors still has all of their craft brands, so. They're what three yeah. Atwater, Hop Valley, and Saint Archer. Actually, apparently, it's Saint still... Archer. Yeah. Although I, I I was I was reading something about reading or talking to somebody about that that that, that that's still a brand. They don't have any. There's no brewery. There's no equipment. There's no. I was gonna say I thought they folded the Saint Archer brand. Apparently, the brand is still out there. And so now, what that mean? Now, are they producing beer? Doesn't sound. I like think it. they closed the brewery, and maybe it's just... well. Remember, Kings and Convicts bought the brewery and the equipment, mm-hmm. uh, but not but nothing else. In a in kind of a strange in kind of a strange deal, but honestly, the the reason normally I would agree with you three is a trend, but there's so few owned breweries I mean let, let's look at it I mean outside of Funky Buddha Appalachian Mountain you have Breckenridge Goose Island Ten Barrel 
Golden Road, Wicked Weed. And all the Craft Beer Alliance, so you got Kona. Uh, they got- were never considered craft, though. Because that's why Craft Olus was 25% or less owned by another industry member. Well, in that case, you'd, you'd have to say that the, that this isn't a craft brewery buying itself, the Appalachian Mountain, because they were a member of the Craft Beer Alliance before they... Uh, 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 before they got bought by ABN. Okay, so, let, let's even add the Craft Brewery Alliance. So three more breweries, and I think and I think Kona and Red Hook and Wid is Widmere part of that? Yes, Widmere was. Um, Weinhardt's is part of Molson or Molson. But I mean, they were all independent before they banded together to create the Craft Craft Beer Alliance. So there's there's ten breweries owned. Yeah, that we can count, and more than that. I think I feel like there's I always well the, and you got a lot that AB owns like partial stake in, but if it's under twenty five, it's not counted. Fair enough. So ten, so twenty percent of the market is getting released. That's a trend. I mean, twenty percent of of AB's holdings. Now, if Funky Buddha was not an AB holding, it was Constellations. You have to expand outwards. None no, of, no, no. I I counted. And, well, what All about, of them. Well, what about what about now? New Belgium, Bells, owned by uh, owned by uh, uh, Kieran, and now Stone, owned by uh, uh, owned by Sapporo. So now you're up okay. to so now you're up to thirteen. Fourteen, because Sapporo has uh, Anchor. Mm-hmm. So a seventh of them have sold. And I feel like there, and I feel like there's a lot more breweries that are owned by by a by a larger conglomerate that we're not we're not uh, uh, counting. But but if it's owned by a larger let's, conglomerate let's, that's not in beer, let's round up. It's to, still let's round up to twenty just for just for shits and giggles. So you're talking about ten percent of the of of, of them, ten percent of the owned craft breweries buying themselves back. That that's a trend still in my mind, but it's still two. But there's not that many breweries owned. Because if it's like fucking Oscar Blues, that whole... <laughs> I think we're... I think we're we'll, 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 we'll leave Which them. also, I think Deep Ellum just bought themselves back from Oscar Blues. I, I, I mean, I, I guess I'd go... We were just talking about... Thinking about a small, sam- uh, a, a small sample size. So I guess I'd, I would uh, 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 say this. Um, uh, the fact that fifty uh, percent uh, of this podcast is actively thinking about uh, uh, writing a boner-based economics book—that's not really a trend, <laughs> Jeremy. It's a hundred percent. Let's be honest here. Uh, <laughs> that's that, even that's not a trend. That's two guys with a bad idea that actually might make money. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying because. It's been still, I mean, if you look at it, even if it's a hundred breweries that are owned by a conglomerate in the nation that has almost 6,000 breweries, that's still not a huge sample size. So the fact that two are getting sold back and a hundred is me just really reaching. Yeah, yeah. 2% of those 
if we had that hundred, which I think twenty is probably a reaching top. Fair enough. Um, and so two to ten percent is buying themselves back. It is a trend of big corporations acknowledging craft beer is not the moneymaker they thought it was going to be. Why are we spending our resources here when we can focus on seltzer, RTDs? Well, I mean, that that is clearly happening. And so the opportunity to buy back is, I think, going to be more and more prevalent. Now, 10 Barrel, Elysian, Goose Island, they'll never get that option. But, I mean, I mean the, other, I, the other side of that is... You know, in a in a uh, industry environment where uh, you're running to get bigger to survive, it's still a bold move to strike out by yourself again without the without the capital. But the advantage you get, you now are pulling. When you buy back, you can now pull out of some of these markets because yeah. it is a change in ownership. Yes. The markets that were doing well with your brand already know you, so you can re-enter those markets with the distributor partners you want to. And in some states, it's really hard to get out of a distribution agreement without changing ownership. Which is handy, because you just did. So you just changed ownership. So now you're able to pull out of the markets you're not performing well in, re-enter the markets you were, because you already have that relationship with the distribution partners. And you now have seen inside probably the best distribution system of the AB network. I still feel they break some laws with that network. <laughs> but it is AB houses are the best run house, distributor houses I've ever seen. Fair enough. You. You get a good AB house and go in there and you talk with them and you're like, holy fuck, like, these guys run this area. And, like, you see the inner workings of that and you're like, oh shit, yeah, that's what AB does. Now, there's some areas where the AB house isn't the best and it's the Coors house or whoever. and But, so the basic fact that you see the inner workings of that and so when you go to expand to a new market now you you have a leg up where you can go okay i know how things should run here's what i expect when you're starting a new agreement it it gives them a leg up and yeah it from the sounds of that article they never wanted to be a nationwide brand or even a east coast brand they wanted to be a regional brand. Talk about Appalachian Mountain. Appalachian yeah. Mountain. Or Funky Buddha, even. Never wanted to be that East Coast or big national brand. They wanted to be a regional player. And I think being a four to seven state player is where the industry is going. Absolutely, yeah. We've... Especially on the East Coast where it's way easier where you drive eight hours, you're halfway up the fucking sea line. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think 
them buying themselves back is a smart play because they basically got educated for the last couple, got paid to get educated by the distributors and then went back and go, okay, now let's reevaluate everything. Let's go back to where we were good. Let's reevaluate where we were bad. Fair enough. So, uh, move on to the next thing. Although we'll, we'll open the next beer. Woo! Um, so uh, Tyler was said he was bringing beer, and then this popped in, and I I I, uh, uh, I couldn't resist bringing in a can, and I really should have waited till this moment to actually pull it out because oh, then dude. you would have you you would have heard Tyler scream, squeal like a, a ten year ejaculate like <laughs> the table with this mic would have rose like inch and a half. Uh, this is. This has been my favorite coffee beer of all time. This is also... I have not had this since I worked at the shop with you. Uh, it is a one-off release that was never... It came out. It did very well. It then got pulled from distribution because it really didn't do well in most markets. Boise was kind of one of the exception. The shop we worked at together was... The big exception in that area, according to the rep I had spoke to. I uh, mean, it's it's a it's a weird. So what we, what we were talking about is Fort George's Java the Hop. It is a coffee IPA, which is a weird thing to do. And I, like I said, I have not had this in a while, so I'm curious to so see if like it was my nostalgia of being like fairly new into craft beer that held it up. Or, like, if I still enjoy this beer to this day. Well, all right. Well, drum roll. So. <laughs> You're checking make sure it's not that the, the date is not from, like, five years ago. Is that what you're doing? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I got trust issues. <laughs> yeah. Here's where I go. So, Tyler actually <laughs> saved a can for, like, five years in one of the greatest pranks ever. I pulled it out. <laughs> It's it's just been sitting. It's just sitting. I would have been impressed with this. That would have been a better slow play than the AB tanking craft brewer alliance. Like, I mean, if I if I had the foresight to plan a like practical, that is a hundred move ahead chess move right there. Uh, I'm not that good. I can't even. I can't even do two moves ahead. No, this is this is fresh from Fort George. I promise. Ooh, that nose. It does have a very interesting like. A ton of coffee with a little bit of tropical fruit hop oh. aroma. It's real. It's 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 really interesting. On the nose, I'm getting like the flood back of endorphins. <laughs> uh, like it is like when you walk into like grandma's house and she's like cooking on Thanksgiving, and you just like walk in, and you're like, mm, yeah, like I'm about to eat so much I want to vomit. Uh, <laughs> And I'm glad I wore my stretchy pants. Yeah. <laughs> that is what just went through my head. All right, Tyler. Uh, uh, t- t- Tyler's taking a drink now. And the eyes are rolling back, oh. in, his, back in his head. He's, he's shaking a little bit. Sweating, a, sweating just a little bit. You know, little beads of sweat collecting on his forehead. I think, I, I think I'm, I'm kind of witnessing what uh, 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 Parker's uh, uh, conception must have looked like from, uh, from his wife's point of view. <laughs> no <laughs> one is, should see my O face. <laughs> which is just sort of horrifying. <laughs> so it's so nice because you get that rich, roasty flavor coming through. It's There's not an astringent bitterness you can sometimes get with the coffee. 
Um, it you get a slight like hoppiness at the very back end of the tongue, but it's nothing upsetting. It's nothing overpowering. The coffee is the star of the show. It is very much a nice roasty coffee flavor. A little hop to kind of balance it out. Almost give a little bit of that bitterness that the coffee should be giving off but is not. uh, That you don't want the coffee to give off. And it finishes pretty clean. Very easy drinking. It It's what I remember. It is. This is a great example because you, when you're talking about food pairing, you're you're usually talking about uh, you're talking about you know you approach it from two ways. You you you, you contrast you, or you, know, you, you you either pair two flavors that obviously would complement each other, or you contrast two flavors. And often, and often, two contrasting flavors go really well together. They just they clash in a good way, and this is a perfect example of that because you get one and then it transfers, the, the, and then it's the coffee. The 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 I mean the, they got they, they both have a bitter aspect, so you so you kind of have that going for you. But like the roastiness of the coffee and like the bright fruitiness of the hop with kind of a with with the uh, with the kind of the bitter similarity, they clash, but in a really good way. So yeah, I'm I, I was kind of curious my own self like. I remember really, really liking this beer when it came out, and was what it was curious whether or not it, it held up, and it, it really does. It's 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 a weird fucking beer that. And if you don't like it, you're fucking wrong. <laughs> and you hate America and all that is holy. <laughs> Tyler has spoken. Tyler Zimmerman, twenty forty. Are you auditioning for Newsmax on this uh, on this podcast? Is that what's happening Maybe. right now? I would never run for president. You want to own a president. You don't want to be one. Uh. <laughs> uh, it's not corruption if we don't say it's not corruption news now. <clears throat> um. Newsmax! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My bad. Tyler, you sell beer, yes? Occasionally. Occasionally. And even sometimes to uh, off-prem accounts, which is, say, uh, convenience stores and grocery stores. Dude, I'm on a hot streak with gas stations. I'm like the king of white trash. Uh. <laughs> um, I did a nickel with uh, in, in the corporate hell that was a grocery, so I, I feel like we're we're both very well aware of the clusterfuck that we are, we're going getting, getting into now. And it comes to a specific quirk of the industry, uh, especially grocery. We're talking about, like, uh, 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 big corporate grocery stores, um, and it has to do with the three-tier system, which prevents, of course, any one entity from owning a brewery, a distributor, and a retail spot, sort of, kind of. As I've increasingly discovered as uh, I've done research for this podcast, that idea is very dependent on states and their willingness. Look at you, Idaho! <laughs> uh. <laughs> on, on their willingness or, or desire to enforce the laws. Furthermore, there is something called aid to retail. A brewery cannot, for example, provide a bunch of coolers to a retail outlet just for their product. So, federal law on this, there's a federal oversight law. You cannot give an account more than, I want to say it's like $350 worth of items without going over your aid to retail. Mm-hmm. So, like... It, when you see, like, the fucking giant, like, Clydesdale Bud Light display, like, pour, pulling, like, a pallet of beer, basically, as long as they order it in a high enough quali- quantity, they can get it down below that number, it's all good. Well, in and- the eyes of the feds, in the eyes of the state, 
there's additional hoops you may have to jump through. Like in the state of Idaho, technically, brewers cannot give you a sleeve of coasters if you're a bar or a restaurant. You have to pay for that. Cannot give you glassware. If I, the brewery rep, show up to your establishment, I can give a thousand dollars away in swag to the end customer. Mm-hmm. None of it can go to the actual bar. Correct. Without an invoice paying fair market value. Now, the same is said for draft system building. Draft cleaning is an allowed exception, as well as merchandising and building planograms. Which is which is the, the which is always the thing that kind of uh, 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 which always uh, well I, when I, a certain amount of cognitive dissonance when I was because uh, at some point in time um, the uh, the 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 local beer Nazis the ABC uh, they decided that uh, distributors helping to do inventory at all was a a to retail. But reset doing resets where they physically come in and move beer from this side to this side to this door to this door is allowed. Exactly. So, uh, well, it seems that I am not the only person that looked at that system and said, well, that's just a steaming pile of red, white, and blue horse shit. Uh, because the BA is getting into this debate. This comes from Good Beer Hunting by Kate Bernat. The Brewers Association, the trade group for small independent breweries. I wish you had another can of this. <laughs> I, I do. We I bought I bought a, a, a couple a, a couple of cases for the store, but well, you'll see me tomorrow well, morning. Well, I mean, I didn't. I was gonna. I, I was thinking about getting two cans, but I was like, but Tyler said he was bringing beer, so I thought you were bringing like a whole haul from uh, from uh, Montana. No, um, I drank through most of that. <laughs> you just brought the one you wanted to, to to whine about. Yeah, I purposely set that one aside. <laughs> it's a good beer, but. Oh Christ! Um, uh, the Brewers Association um, has come out one to fight against just this practice, uh, uh, known as category management. The BA is in fact submitting comments uh, for the June seventh deadline for the Alcohol, Tobacco, Tax, and Trade Bureau, or the, or the TTB. Specifically, they are advising that the TTB should do three things. Uh, first, they are calling for an end to category captains and for the sale of data from stores to breweries or distributors. They are calling for the TTB to actually enforce the laws that are in place and for for a significant reform of what the TTB considers to be legal. Um, and they'll be and they and they will be challenged whether it's legal under the exceptions to the tight house prohibitions, which is to say the three-tier system, for big breweries and wholesalers to provide data and analytics, data that was bought from the stores, by the way, to stores in the form of shelf plans or other or or um, other analytics. Um, and the thing is, there's a pretty good chance that TTB will at least listen to what the BA has to say. Um, Ashley Brandt, uh, an alcohol regulatory attorney from Chicago, uh, uh, said for the article, quote, The TTB doesn't like to be called out on the idea that they're doing something wrong. So I think they would stop and think about investigating something like this. Now, the inherent problem, and I can already see you twitching, is that uh, the system 
is so built into the uh, into the structure of uh, of the, uh, into the retail structure, and especially like your big corporate stores, of which there are now pretty much two. Um, so, a couple things, if I can take the floor for a second. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, if, go for ju- it. Just a little peer behind the curtain for okay. everyone. Okay. Uh, so, there's one major brand uh, that. We have to, the place I work for has to submit to. And when we have to submit, it is not submitting that pitch to a said company email address. It's submitting to Anheuser-Busch email address because they are the captain, the Mm -hmm. category captains Mm -hmm. for that, which I've always had. A little distaste for that because i'm like at what like how they're like oh no they don't they just forward it on to us like it's it's completely objective and i'm like <laughs> i'm really it, i'm uh, sending it to an ab inbev uh, uh uh email address uh at some point in time they would like to have crushed my industry they're not going to now but on the flip side you have a certain chain that's based out of this area that <laughs> excels in category management in-house that is also why everyone in the alcohol industry is kind of holding their breath ex- is, is specifically there, is in there a this reason area. you're not you're not mentioning the corporations by name <laughs> i just i want to avoid as much as i can like can i say them by name or <laughs> let's because I don't want to out you in front of it. <laughs> Let's try to remain as anonymous as we can. I mean, anyone who does a little bit of research into this podcast can figure out who I'm talking about, where I work, like... Well, especially, uh, I mean, everybody in the in the area pretty much knows who you work for. Yeah, but there's one company do a great job of category management. They do it all in-house. I mean, they analyze the data, but they are in talks with merging with another company, and it's everyone's kind of holding their breath because that other company kind of takes the more national approach where you have a big brewery kind of do that. So we're like, if they merge, are they going to take said company from this area's category management approach, or are they going to take... So why I get where the BA is coming from, I don't love it a hundred percent, but I don't hate it a hundred percent. I mean, you get you get the trepidation in the article. I'm uh, uh, the, the I mean, in some of the in some of the, from some of the interviews, especially people who work for, you know, uh, AB InBev as as uh, as these uh, uh, the the captains. Um, the what they describe is pretty pretty much apocalyptic. Uh, you get the sense that without someone like like a, a, an AB Tide House um, running things, um, you, you'd you'd be walking to the beer aisle and it'd just be chaos. There'd be monkeys everywhere, people filming BDSM porn in the corner, some guy covered with olive oil and sparkly shorts and nothing else. Maybe maybe he has he has a cheese tray, not really hiding out samples, just sitting there eating cheese. Um, that he took from the deli that he hasn't paid for yet. Yeah. The, the problem is that even if 
the data that the big breweries are pro providing the stores is 100% non-biased. Even if what they say is like, no, 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 we really do, we, 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 don't, we don't fudge these numbers in the slightest. Bullshit. Every brewery <laughs> fudges the numbers to try to back up their selling story, and numbers are manipulatable. Let's, I mean, but uh, even, but just for the sake of argument, let's just say that they really are like the the utmost integrity. These are the, the most scientifically. The thing is, looking at IRI and like Nielsen data, yeah, if your ranking's low and like has dropped, you can always look if your ACP, your average like store like ranking. So if you're in a bunch of shitty stores, you're going to have a worse ranking than if you're in better stores. If that is shitty, but your thing is dropped, but you're still above, say, a Sierra Pale or someone who has a better store ranking, you can go, well, hey, we're doing better than them, and they're in all these better ranked stores. Uh, so if a, let's say you take three stores, they're... Not all ranked the same in said corporation's ranking system. So they are all not ranked the same in IRI data. Okay. So if you have... If you're in their high value stores that are doing the majority of the volume, you're going to have a higher ranking. Mm -hmm. If you're only in their shitty stores, you're going to have a lower ranking. Mm-hmm. And so if you perform shitty and are only in two shitty stores, one good store, and one middle-of-the-road store, but you barely beat out someone who's in two good stores, one middle-of-the-road store, and that's it, guess what? You can paint that picture that I need expanded distribution... I mean your, your, your point is well-founded. I mean, there's... You, you, can, you can manipulate you can the numbers. Always, you can always manipulate the numbers, but let's just let's just go ahead just for a moment and just say, yes, they're, they, they are not they're not fucking with these numbers at all. That's a lie, but let's just... just the problem is that... Uh, the problem is that the BA argues that this is millions of dollars of research, analytics, and labor that is given over free to the stores. And that is... Say it with me now... Aid to retail, like the argument, and I've I, I've been in a conference where we asked the Idaho State Police Chief, yeah, the ABC Police Chief, why is this not aid to retail? And his response, because we asked about draft cleaning, merchandising, mm -hmm. and resets, mm -hmm. and he went, the way we approach this is. Uh, draft cleaning in so many parts of Idaho, it's so rural, we just assume they would never clean their drafts. And so, Public health, almost, really. <laughs> and so the breweries have always kind of taken the approach that, yeah, we're fine paying it out of our pocket or paying it out of the distributor's pocket to make sure the beer lines are clean and public health is maintained and the quality of beer is then improved which I'm like, that shouldn't be the approach we have to take. Well, when it comes to draft, so and then also on the like beer set and the merchandising, his quote was basically, "Every other 
product in the store basically has to pay for shelf placement. And so beer not having to do that, the stores aren't going to merchandise it. And because the stores weren't, won't merchandise it, you'd be sitting empty shelves. So the breweries and the distributors agree to merchandise it because other, so they can sell more beer, which I'm like, we need to break that fucking trend because it is a fucking piss off when you go back and you're like, there was full cases like, they're like, oh yeah, it sold out on Friday night. And you're like, there was back stock. And they go, ah, oh, I didn't look. And you go, you don't want to make money? <laughs> well, uh, I get, and I get to this argument a little bit later, but I mean, but here's an interesting thing. Back in 2016, the TTB did rule that some activities associated with this system were in violation, namely, namely quote, Furnishing to the retailer items of value, including market data from third-party vendors. Uh, the thing is that this is clearly happening anyway, which is why, aside from the TTB, uh, asking the TTB to look at their own rules and rethink what might be legal and what might not be, um, they're asking them to enforce what they've already agreed is illegal. So my question is, how do you enforce, okay, if the distributors agree to not give said corporation IRI data mm -hmm. every brewery has to build a pitch and slideshow to pitch said corporate buyer to try to get their shit in there mm -hmm. what is to stop the breweries from not being like here's what we did and we send the fucking slideshow to them with IRI data and they can then just hire a fucking peon at minimum wage to go, this PowerPoint, they were this ranking, did this much. This PowerPoint, they were this ranking, did this much. And basically build it all themselves for free still. But, I mean, but I think the difference is, is I mean, on one side you have a brewery that has the data who's putting together a pitch, right? And who's... Obviously, taking what numbers they like in order to in order to like obviously pitch them their products, they're not going to give them any any data that looks uh, down on them. It would be it would be uh, it would be um, um, you know it'd be useful for the grocery to have all of the data because any one brewery is not going to give them all of the data. And competent corporations do. And 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 by the and by the way, we are talking. You know, and what, and what normally happens is that you know this data is then compiled by you know a a a wholesaler or a large brewery, and then the sets are designed based on that. I mean, so I mean, literally, uh, the the grocery store just kind of it's it's just like oh, then that's what and, and that's what they look like now. Okay, good. We don't even have to to do any of that. Um, and and so I think I I mean I think the question is like. It, it, the the difference is, hey, we got the data, and here's our and here's our pitch. Versus, yeah, we've just designed this for you. You're welcome. But based on based at, on at, the best at, IRA, you know, IRA. At, at least in the state of Idaho, and dealing with the chains here, it the majority of the chains here do not just take the straight. Here's the set we have. This is what we want. They look over and go, no, we need this, this, and this in it too. Right. Uh, and I mean, 
I mean, there's some back and forth. I mean, obviously, but and so I can't. I can't say how other states run it, but also Idaho is super chain dependent, so that may have something to play with it. But also, the TTB's not going to be able to enforce independent groceries in middle of nowhere Montana, Colorado. I don't think I, I don't think the point of this is to try to enforce like independent groceries. I mean, at this point in time, I mean, let's be honest. Like most of your groceries are are being sold by Kroger. Or Walmart. I mean, across across Costco. The, I mean, but all right. Well, you know, add Costco. So those, so those three right there. I don't know. I, I mean, uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm, I'm, I'm I mean, the, if the Kroger Albertsons deal doesn't go through, you have those two. But I mean, but but that's two and three. But essentially, I mean, yeah, if the Kroger. But that seems like it's going to go through. So you're going to have Kroger. You're going to have Walmart. You're in. I mean, and Kroger, and Kroger and Walmart are are almost a are almost the like a. I mean, we're we're right on the edge of we're uh, of antitrust. I'm sure if we just keep giving politicians enough money, they won't look at it that way. But um, I mean, so I, I mean, I, I think I, I think the, the 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 saying, well, how do you enforce like a small independent grocery? I think the answer is why bother because they're they, they're not going to have. You know they're not going to have enough of a, of a pull in the market. You know if you can't get into this small independent grocery, well, fine. But if you can, but you know that doesn't really that doesn't really affect the the ability of a of a of a brewery to break into a, a market as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we're back to the question on you know when when who's going to actually who's going to actually do the undeniably important work, which is. I mean, making it, which is trying to decide what is on on major grocery store sell shelves and what have you. Um, I mean, I, I you know I I have a crazy idea that it should probably be the fucking stores because uh, they're the ones who make the profit. But but I mean, I mean well, if for no other reason than uh, listen, grocery stores. As someone who's worked for one and who's talked to a lot of them, you are being fleeced. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. A lot of smaller companies treat you like a great big piggy bank. It's true. Um, the the downside and why I think this is a big debate is almost every other industry that sells to said grocery store provides that information willingly. And well, and that and and therein lies the and, and well there and therein lies you know why why alcohol is is different because you have the three tier system. I mean, and I, so that's I think the fear the TTB has is at what point are they protecting small breweries by trying to enforce this to keep the big guys from running it all to acknowledging yeah we got to let the big guys run this, but if we don't that set shrinks from five doors to two doors and those chains just go fuck it we'll buy the IRI or Nielsen data ourselves or we pull our own data and if you're not in the top X you're not coming in fair enough and so it's that fine balance you kind of have to dance of yeah, you let them violate the law a little bit, but it gives some opportunity where pull, but, fully pulling the rug out, they may just up and say, no, 
I mean, we're but, doing this. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, a lot. You know, the 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 answer. You know, the the you know. I mean, we were kind of talking about how well if the if it was you know if the data was actually perfect, but we all know it's not. It's being fudged, mm-hmm. right? Um, the the fact is that somebody's that 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 data needs to get to the grocery store one way or another. Okay, and if the grocery store isn't buying it, um, they're still paying for it. All right. Uh, just because a big brewery has spent the millions of dollars to uh, uh, achieve, uh, get that data, they're getting their money's worth. I guarantee fucking to you, they are not. AB InBev does not do any of this out of the goodness of their heart. No, uh, they are. Yeah, I mean, that data is not super expensive to get. Anyways, they, they are. They're talking about it like the the analytics being uh, upwards of like uh, uh, of millions of dollars no. too. Uh, so you can, especially since Nielsen is now approaching trying to target more small yeah. consumer packaged good industries, uh, you can get... They have a, like, smaller level... Well, I, I think... I industry think... where you can get just your industry. You don't need every... Well, I think I think also... I mean, I think there's two things. There's the actual data, which is not terribly expensive. But then there's doing... there's But then you just have a bunch of numbers and then you have the, you have to crunch... You have to then try to interpret into what does that mean. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think you're... Where the the, the, the the cost comes from in this... In the... Uh, in the... In terms of labor and what have you. Yeah, but I think... Everyone predicts that to be a higher labor cost than what the stores could actually get it at. Um... But I mean, but you also hit upon a hit upon a good point. I mean, like, you know, the uh, beer is weird because there's always there's always like laws around beer and wine that don't apply. Because I mean, let's let, let's not mistake. Aid to retail only applies to beer and wine. beer and wine. All right, Rockstar can, and you'll notice, does provide toilet paper <laughs> is the perfect example. The toilet paper that is at eye level or on an end cap. Yep. They're maybe making a penny on a roll. Or a penny on a fucking package. Like, they are paying for shelf placement. They are paying to make sure their back stock is rotated first. Like, they are paying for every single thing that makes sure that shelf stays full. Seven days a week, 365 days a year. And is in the optimal spot from their and the store's opinion of where they will get the highest rate of sale. And and to be honest, I mean, given how consolidated grocery is getting, I mean, I mean, I mean, again, we're pretty much down to two companies, maybe three. Um, not just not just beer and wine, but across the board. Um, you know, we ought to be concerned about what forces are at work limiting our limiting consumer choice, and that means only the biggest companies have access to the largest retailers best placements you know they can they can just pay their way and get you know enforce anybody you know any, any better product cheaper more efficient whatever out well that's something that never gets brought up in these is the online companies like your drizzly your uber eats your doordash that does alcohol yep they there's no a to retail laws basically on that so you can pay them and optimize the search so basically anytime you select an item one of the first things to say also ordered with is ah. a six pack of <laughs> this beer 
or a 24 pack of this beer that the eight retail laws are so far behind that that's not in there and that's where the industry is evolving to that no one's actually looking at so yeah it's great the brewers association is trying to help with that but they should also be including eight retail on basically the search engine optimization um, I think we're getting uh, even further off in the weeds, but I, I do I do kind of want to say uh, end it with a couple of thoughts. You don't know what you're missing if you if if the, if uh, smaller companies never get to try. AB InBev would have loved to just strangle this industry in its crib before it ever we ever got this far. And the fact that the fact I think if this was an option when AB was 51 percent of the market share, this would have never happened. AB would have killed it. Except for I mean, but but. With craft, with 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 beer, a grocery store isn't your only outlet. It would be hard, you know. Uh, I mean, craft beer got its start in the tap rooms. Now it it moved into grocery as it evolved. I think it still would have gotten there eventually. It may have been harder. Um, I I you know I I think it's I, I think this is a a a good idea, a good fight. It'd be great if it applied wider. Um, and also, I guess I want to say death to all billionaires. Um, and that's basically my motto. Uh, drink good beer and death to all billionaires. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's, 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 I think that's, I think that's where I'm, I, I'm going with about everything. Um, Tyler, you want to wrap us up today? <laughs> yeah. So we got a, basically some monks going to court. Uh, what if they took a vow of silence? Ooh, that'd be tough. Uh, so this is an article by drinks business. Uh, where Belgian monks uh, are suing based off the legal resale of Trappist beer. So, um, they, some monks uh, at the St. Sixtus Abbey uh, have found their Trappist beer was being resold at a higher inflative, inflated price in other countries, um, and so they have made uh, legal moves to try to stop this illegal profiteering. And <laughs> there's something about something about profiteering off a Trappist beer that there's uh, there's two things about, about this. Number one, I think you're going to hell. <laughs> right? Uh, like that was one thing they stressed in this article is this beer is not brewed. To try to like maximize profit, like this is brewed uh, to provide a quality product and sustain the monastery, and it's almost a little like disheartening. <laughs> I mean, wait, 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 Tyler, are you are you surprised at the depths of depravity of the human soul? Oh no, I would hundred percent do this. Uh, it's... <laughs> Like the the only problem is that it is not that uh, it's not that people are profiting profiting off of a uh, off of a uh, 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 Trappist beers. It's that I'm not doing it, and are they properly uh, erect while they're doing it? Mm-hmm. So, a uh, <laughs> little bit behind this. Uh, so, a Dutch news, a Dutch Catholic newspaper highlighted in an issue. And pointed out that there's a lucrative profiteering business in the Netherlands where they take bottles of Trappist beer and resell it to stores, cafes, and restaurants for large sums of money. 
due to the product's popularity and scarcity. How scarce is it? I mean, well, well I mean, so I guess... currently a crate of 24 bottles of Trappist Vest Veltern uh, 12 ordered from the Abbey website retails for 48.80 pounds. Okay. Uh, Which is handily about forty eight uh, about about forty eight to forty nine dollars. Thank you, British economy, for collapsing. Suck it, bitch. Uh, <laughs> one in seventeen seventy six, and we're winning now. Uh, <laughs> heard that, Newsmax? Got <laughs> <laughs> a new official partner in the podcast. No, we don't. No, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, uh, I'm. Honestly, if they listened to past episodes, they'd be like. We're torn. <laughs> How many people do they reach? <laughs> Can we get it higher? <laughs> I mean, I think they'd just be like, "Well, we'll take we'll, we'll we'll take the boner guy, but we definitely don't want the anti don't want the socialist." Yeah, <laughs> fucking Marxist. Uh, so about two pounds per beer. Uh, but the same beer, when bought through an unauthorized retailer in another country, uh, cost about ten pounds per bottle. Okay, so. Someone else is making eight yeah. pounds a bottle, which it's when everyone talks about like the tickle me Elmo craze that happened in the United States for cabbage patch dolls. They're like, oh, the things were going for this much. They always quote like the secondary market price. Yeah. And so the company that made that never saw any of that. Money. Correct. It was the jackass who went and stood in line, punched five children and three women. To get that fucking whole shelf worth of shit, and earned his money. I think you you would be hard. You'd hard, be hard pressed. Listen, he works at least as hard as people actually. So uh, the Abbey has about twenty monks and nine lay workers who work just forty two brewing days per year, and produce about seventy five hundred hectoliters uh, of beer a year. Uh, the beers must be strictly made by monks uh, using infusion brew method uh, of natural ingredients of water, barley, malt, hops, and yeast. Additionally, to qualify for the Trappist mark, they must be created within the abbey environs and with the process supervised by monks or nuns and any profit going back to the religious community or charitable works. There are only five still left in Belgium. Um, can you name all five, Jeremy? I cannot. Um, I can name Chimay, West Malle. Um, is Orval still? Yeah. Orval. Um, La Trappe? Nope. Nope. Are they? I, ironically, has La Trappe lost their uh, lost their Trappist moniker? I'm assuming. Um, so um, there was a whole issue, like with Lambic, the Trappist being illegally used. Yeah. Uh, and I think Latrap is kind of doing that. Like okay. Lambic is like champagne and technically can't be made in America. Right. And so there are breweries that will do a Lambic inspired to try to maintain the integrity. Yeah. Uh, but technically a Lambic cannot be created in the United States. Um, there's one that starts with an A and I, I'm spacing on the, on the, uh, no, actually it just closed. Oh, it, no, it just lost its Trappist. Rochefort? Rochefort, that's... Uh, Vest... Vestphalian? Yep. And... Uh, that's it. I was going to say, that's five. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Trappist Vestphalian 
uh, is considered to be the rarest. And that's who this so article's heard, yeah. Okay, yeah, primarily yeah. focused yeah, on. Yeah, I've heard Vespalian is. Uh, and yeah, it's... Chimay is a diamond. Uh, is a, yeah. Diamond dozen, same with Orval and Rochefort. Yeah, we get that. We we get that shit in Idaho. I mean, all three of those we fucking get. So, <laughs> but it, it's kind of crazy to see. Like, I know we've talked about like the beer trading secondary market here, and like uh, Russian River coming out about Pliny the Elder, Pliny the Younger. Uh, and so it's crazy to see that it shouldn't be surprising with that happening to these Trappist beers, but. It is kind of surprising, but if but if you are doing that, I mean, I well, first of all, there is no God. There is there there are no consequences, you know. But but uh, but your soul is is suffering. Uh, it also reminds me of probably one of my favorite memes that I sent to oh, my cr- boss. Oh Christ! <laughs> How do you still have a job? <laughs> uh, because when I read this meme to you, uh, you will laugh. Uh, so it is the Beavis and Butthead meme. Okay. Uh, it says light lager. It starts like the base and goes up to like the evolution of basically a craft beer drinker. Okay. Starts light lager, then goes hazy IPA, then goes barrel aged pastry stouts, and then the top one is searching Belgian estate sales for mid 90s Cantillon and Phantoms. <laughs> <laughs> and like, if you knew my boss, he's like huge into Phantoms, Cantillon. Trey Fontaine, like, I sent him to that, and he goes, that's a genius idea. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> but it it's a stark reminder how fucked up and how corrupt the industry gets from fringe people. And how much you really, really want to be involved in that. I'm not saying I would do it because I don't care about the product. I'm saying I'd do it because... Th- there's eight dollars a fucking bottle to be made on a twenty-four bottle case. Like, it's not that much. Ninety-six bucks a case. Yeah. Hundred bucks a case. Yeah. Normal pallets, a hundred cases. But it's also very rare, so you're not gonna get a. You're not gonna be able to get your hands on that much. A few extra. A, a few. A few extra dollars here and there, and in return, uh, you you go to hell and get a pineapple right up your keister, according to little Nikki. Nice little side hustle, though. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anything else for us today? <laughs> That'll be it for me. Oh, uh, well, this has been It's All Beer. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, if you work for Newsmax and are, and, uh, and are interested in getting uh, a Tyler to to be... <laughs> I need to see zeros. I, I was I was trying to get you to replace Jim Cramer. Why are you now on Newsmax? Hey, Fox News, you got rid of Tucker Carlson. I don't say racist stuff, and I don't sexually harass. <laughs> he Make say, me an offer. He doesn't race, say racist stuff on Mike, and he and he only sexually harasses me. So if, <laughs> You can pay Jeremy out. <laughs> uh, you can get a hold of us. It's all beer at gmail.com. Uh, uh, I occasionally post pictures and... Uh, and, and episode updates and what have you on our Instagram feed and our Facebook. Uh, why not that? It's all beer. Uh, you can download this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. Maybe leave us a uh, leave us a review if 
if you would, if you if you enjoyed the amount of uh, of, of economic masturbation references in this episode, uh, you can you can uh, look for my book. <laughs> you can, yeah, you can you can look for uh, uh, Tyler's new. If you'd like, I need like about like seventy five percent less jacking off from you people. Like I need I need a little bit less than you can leave that there, and Tyler will. Uh, take that to heart. I'll look for another podcast for you. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and that'll be quite enough from us. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm going to have a beer. Have fun. All right, levels sound about as good as they're going to sound. It's nice to see your ugly mug. Yours too. Uh, <laughs> mostly blocked by a gigantic black dildo of a microphone. You're used to a gigantic black dildo in your face, so... Listen, I've uh, we've, we've, uh, me and Carrie have our sex life, and <laughs> you and Christina have yours. I don't, you know, we've got a big black dildo, we... We don't necessarily bring farm animals in, so, you know. Wallabies are not farm animals. <laughs> and that's been recorded. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> if you have the money to fuck a wallaby, good on you. <laughs> uh, also, those motherfuckers punch, so... <laughs> What happened to you, Tyler? Uh, doggy punched by a wallaby. <laughs> you I'm donkey sorry. punched a wallaby? Nope. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I asked for it. I mean, really, I, 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 I found it kind of hot. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a thing. <laughs>